Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And good morning, you're on Dirt Radio. Uh, so weird hearing myself introducing myself. <laughs> hey, Jack, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thanks, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I just want to acknowledge we are sitting here on stolen Wurundjeri land. Uh, sovereignty has never been ceded and pay my respects to elders past and present. And we have a special guest in the studio. Yeah, today we've got Jared Abrahams in. Um, he's a volunteer and employee at Friends of the Earth, and I believe in the past year he's been getting very involved with uh, all the things we're doing here. How are you doing, Jared? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Um, so I suppose we'll just start off with a few questions about uh, who you are and what you do for Friends of the Earth. Yeah, so as you mentioned, I started off as a volunteer at Friends of the Earth and slowly but surely um, have started working there. Um, I'm involved uh, in a couple of campaigns, but the one that brings me here today uh, is the Act on Climate Collective. Um, I'm a community organiser there, and I guess the work that we're trying to do is increase the uh, climate targets um, and policies in both the state and federal arena. Uh, And my work specifically has been around the 2030 emission reduction targets. Um, So what the the governments are trying to reduce in terms of carbon emissions um, for 2030, which has been a focus in the COP26 um, gathering in Glasgow last year and also has become increasingly relevant for the federal election. Yeah, I suppose in light of that, then what um, should people know coming into this federal election with all the things you've been doing the past year or so? Yeah, so I guess the first thing to know is that the Australian Conservation Foundation did a poll recently which showed that about three quarters of people are concerned about climate change. And when you see that in line with the recent ABC Vote Compass results, which showed that climate change is the most important election issue um, of 29% of people saying that, you can kind of see that this is shaping up to be a climate, uh, a climate election, and it very much can be a climate election, um, which is really significant. And I think the candidates should, ch- should take that into consideration, and, and people voting should also know that they're not alone uh, when they're thinking about climate in terms of voting. Um, and the other thing is that different parties and different candidates really have different policies when it comes to climate and specifically when it comes to their 2030 emission reduction targets. Just a couple here. You've got the coalition um, holding on to a 26 to 28 percent emission reduction by 2030, Labor at 43 percent, the Greens 75 percent. And I won't go go into every single minor party and uh, independent candidate. People can go and look for themselves. But that's a really big range and that really impacts what Australia is going to be doing uh, and how businesses and community members and the rest of the world will also um, engage in, in climate action and transition. Absolutely. And you've got a few community members um, interviewed today that you pre-recorded over the weekend. Um, who are we going to hear from? Yeah, so 
we are going to hear from some locals who've become engaged in climate action and specifically people who have been organising community forums with candidates in their local area. We're going to hear from two people. One is um, Michael Nolan, who's uh, from the group called Lighter Footprints, and the other person is Greg Hardesty, uh, who's representing the Higgins Climate Action Network. Cool. Who would you like to hear from first? Let's start with Mick. Okay, none. <laughs> so thanks for joining us, Mick. Uh, if we could just start by um, telling me how and why you got involved in climate justice. Okay, yeah, look, it was around 2007. I distinctly remember I had gone out fishing in a boat on the Western Port with a friend of a friend from near Malacuta and I would talk about all sorts of things as you do, talking about agriculture and farming and then he was he said to me, so have you read Weathermakers? I grew up on a farm, by the way. He said, have you read Weathermakers but Tim Flannery? And I hadn't and he was telling me about climate change. Which So I went and bought Weathermakers and read that and Next thing, there's a drought and we're building desalination plants and buckets in showers and I read The Inconvenient Truth and, uh, wow, it's just sort of it's that moment that you don't really want to go looking for, but it happens. That's how I got concerned um, and involved in climate change. Are there particular, I guess, emotions that it brought up for you or particular aspects of the climate crisis that it triggered for you? Oh, look, yeah, the hot weather really triggers a lot of emotion. Having grown up in the country in a pretty hot place in northwest Victoria, not uncommon to have 40-degree days, but those hot northerlies and really really hot days where it's too hot to be out in the sun and I grew up in the sun in summer playing tennis and, you know, sport and working on the farm. So that does make me really anxious as... As as I feel like we're experiencing hotter and hotter summers and then bushfires that we've seen, Victoria and New South Wales really, yeah, creates an emotional anxiety for me. Yeah, totally understandable. So you're a co-convener of the group Lighter Footprints. Are you able to tell us a bit about that group and the candidate forum that you've got coming up? Yeah, sure. So I'm with Lighter Footprints and we're in uh, Melbourne's east in the east and, and a bit further out. Um, so Kuyong and Chisholm and Higgins, sort of city of Burundara, uh, around that sort of area. We're nonpartisan. We we started in 2007, um, founded by Carolyn Ingverson, I think in the lounge room of her, of her house after a few friends watching An Inconvenient Truth. And then they decided to found Light of Footprints. So yeah, every federal election since then, I think this is the sixth coming up, we've had a candidates forum for the, the federal election and we invite all the candidate, all, all candidates and this time for candidates with a plausible chance of victory, so major parties and the major independent, and we give them the platform to say what they will do about climate um, if elected and really gives gives the community a chance. It's really old-style, I call it old-style democracy where people get to see and get to talk to and get to hear their their candidates for real, you know, in the flesh. This year we're also, or this election, we're also talking a lot more about integrity and we'll be talking about that as well as climate. I love that phrase you use about democracy. That's really nice. Your 
forum does have a focus on on climate and, and as you say transparency can you explain a little bit why it's an important election issue for your community I really believe this is the critical decade. A lot of people are saying this is the critical decade from 2020 to 2030. Uh, we've really got to be on track in the next three or four years in terms of reducing emissions and moving with a lot of conviction and a lot of governments working together, people working together at all, all levels of business and the community and councils and federal government, state governments to really, really be getting on with it. If we don't get on with it in the next three years, we're not going to stay below 1.5. There's no chance and we'll be struggling to stay below two degrees of warming. So, yeah, Australia has not been leading and we really have to get with the program. This We have to act fast and, and now's the time. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Are there particular uh, climate solutions that you're seeing or that are being discussed in and around the community? Yeah, look, I think the obvious one is solar PV on rooftops. That's really Australians are taking that on with yeah. a passion. I think we're over well over 3 million households now or, or roofs in Australia. The other thing, I think homes, in particularly in Victoria where I, where I am, um, homes are waking up to the folly of gas. Gas is super expensive now with, since we've started exporting gas. Um, but also the technologies now to to electrify in the homes are really have really arrived and the cost has really come down for heat pumps for hot water and split aircon and and even induction stoves is starting to uh, you know people starting to get get into that so we have the technologies in moving off gas in the home right now uh, we know society wide we've got to electrify almost everything uh, uh, that's the sort of Saul Griffiths catchphrase and there'll be a bit of hydrogen for the things that we can't electrify such as ships and steel making and heavy transport and really really high temperature heating but 90% of everything is going to be electrified we've got the technology right now we can start right now we are already moving but we've really got to accelerate over the next the next few years um, and really be you know well 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 on the way this decade yeah it's, a, it's well put so as a final question, if you had a message for the Prime Minister and the opposition leader on climate, what would that message be? Oh, wow. Uh, climate change is not fleeting. It's not going away. If we don't have the action we need, it's only going to get worse and the community action is going to get more and this is just going to build and build and build. It's not ideology. Um, it's it's physics, it's science, it's happening. Most of the world agrees. They should be working with the states. This is not a partisan issue. We, we need to work with the states and the community. And I really think we've sort of got to the point now that uh, we can create the jobs in electrification, steel making, green hydrogen, and we need to act act fast and the politicians need to stop the coal export and the gas-led recovery sort of narratives and do what is the best thing for the planet and the next generations. Great, thanks. So um, if people want to come along uh, to the candidate forum or learn more about lighter footprints, where can they go? 
Okay, yep. So it's it's Wednesday night coming, which is the 27th of April, uh, 7pm for 7.30. Um, big crowd, so need to be there sort of at the doors at 7. RSVP on our website, uh, org. Click on the RSVP to our candidates forum and come along and be be part of be part of the the be part of the old school democracy be part of the old school democracy the 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 town hall meet meet your candidates okay thanks for joining us on the show thanks jared thanks a lot thanks friends of the earth there's kind of a lot of a lot of things that are coming up to the fore at the moment as well, particularly in terms of the way that we imagine, for example, essential work and also sort of essential community life or essential caregiving um, and how those how those function. If we think about sort of the way that queer family often takes very, very sort of different forms and very, you know, important and meaningful forms that often don't match the picture of normative, heteronormative family life, but how so many of the of the affordances or the restrictions or the kind of the, the government governmental sort of imagining of the way that we should live and what we need to live and what we need to survive really is shaped around heteronormativity. You know, it's around the family life in the suburb, as opposed to many, you know, single individuals who have shared queer family both sexual and community connections that sustain them and that kind of give them give them life and give them give them sort of energy and comfort and safety and security and support you're listening to 3cr community radio 855 am on digital and online 3cr radical radio Uh, thanks for joining us, Greg. Uh, if we can start off and quickly tell me uh, how and why you got involved in climate justice. Yeah, well, up to the end of 2016, uh, that was when I retired. Um, I had a pretty long-standing interest in uh, sustainability, the climate, um, conservation. I had been a financial member of the Australian Conservation Foundation many years ago. But up to 2016, work had really been an impediment to me getting more involved in climate activism. So the thing was that when those 2019 bushfires hit on the east coast of Australia, I really thought to myself that I'd run out of excuses for not taking more action. (laughs) So I finally uh, joined the Malvern Climate Action Group, which is a community group affiliated with the Australian Conservation Foundation. So that was my introduction to activism. Fantastic. Um, And can you tell us about uh, your group, which I understand is an alliance of local groups uh, and the candidates forum that you're running? Yeah, yeah. So the Melbourne Climate Action Group um, is a very small group, uh, which has probably been around for about three or four years and has primarily been involved in Australian Conservation Foundation campaigns at a local level. And it was my involvement in this group that led to a phone call totally out of the blue last October. And that was to ask me to join an alliance of various climate activist organisations in the Higgins electorate and for the duration of the election campaign. Um, Our first meeting was held at a private house in Ormond and a committee was formed. 
we decided to call ourselves the Higgins Climate Action Network and we roughed out a program of activism for the next nine months. But two days later, we held our first vigil outside Dr Katie Allen's electorate office in Malvern and those vigils, vigils have been going weekly ever since and have been attracting a dozen to 15 people every week, which we consider to be a very good number. And That's it's fantastic. certainly stirred up a, a, bit, of, uh, a bit of support um, amongst pa- passing motorists in particular. But um, our most ambitious event is going to be uh, a candidates forum on climate at the Malvern Town Hall on Thursday mm. the 5th of March. And so... With less, less than two weeks to go, our planning's well underway and we've got the Labor and Greens candidates stitched up. Um, unfortunately, it looks like uh, Dr Katie Allen's not going to attend, though, but it's going to be a great opportunity for, for people in Higgins to ask questions of the Labor and Greens candidates. Great. So can you elaborate a little bit on why climate is an important election issue for your community? Well, if I look around my suburb, um, I reckon it, it used to be dominated by retirees, but I would say gradually uh, it's changing to a, a younger demographic. Um, a lot of young families. I live opposite a primary school, and it's a constant reminder to me that that children are the ones who will be facing a future that's going to be pretty seriously impacted by our failure to tackle what the climate change problem. And uh, so when I look around the community, yeah, it's the children that come to mind, really. And so that's why I think that for the sake of the children, we need to make climate the number one issue when we vote in the federal election. That's really powerful. Are there particular impacts or solutions that are being spoken about in the electorate? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So what you find when you talk to people is that they really, their interest was really um, stimulated by the, the bushfires and probably most recently the floods have also um, captured pe- people's attention in a big way. And mm. there's been a real um, change in mood. And, I mean, if you go back two years, uh, I think COVID was dominating the news cycle in a really big way. But what surprised me was that at the beginning of last year, um, the news media really started to turn their attention to climate change. And I'm not sure what was driving that, but for the first time I started to hear in the news that um, it was being considered as an existential threat. And just talking to people locally, um, you really got the feeling that that people were uh, more conscious of how big a problem this was. And um, just speaking for myself personally, having uh, witnessed the the 1967 Tasmanian bushfires firsthand, I know just how devastating a wildfire can be. And while other climate-related disasters can be similarly destructive, it's the loss of biodiversity caused by bushfires that really causes concern. And, you know, we've heard the scientists say that nearly 3 billion animals were lost in the 2019, 20 bushfires. And on a dry continent, I think bushfires will be associated with poor air quality and, and you know, more of this sort of devastation in future. So it's a big issue, just not um, for Australia as a whole, but, but lo- at local community level, we've had, we've had some pretty severe winds here. I remember, um, I think it was June last year, that a very severe storm went through. 
And particularly in Glen Iris, there was um, a huge number of houses that had tarpaulins on their roofs afterwards. And those repairs took at least six months. You would still see tarpaulins on roofs six months later. So that really did have a big impact on our community. Okay, so a final question. Uh, If you had one message for both the Prime Minister and the Opposition Leader on climate, what would that message be? Well, it uh, it would definitely be a plea for some more leadership and vision. Um, I'd like to see our leaders take an ambitious approach to cutting emissions, but at the same time grasping the opportunities for Australia to become an energy powerhouse. I would say to them, look, this is your big opportunity to leave a legacy and one which will be remembered for years to come. And if you think of the alternative, it is that you will be remembered as one of the recalcitrant leaders who led Australia down on the most important issue that we'll ever face. So that would be my message. Fantastic. Hope you get the opportunity to deliver that one. If people want to come along to the Candidates Forum or learn more about the group, get involved, uh, maybe even donate, where, where can they go? Well, um, the easiest place to go is to our website. So that's Higgins and Rourke. And on that website, it's pretty easy to find the button for ticket sales. And I should just emphasise that the Candidates Forum is a free event. And if you click on the, um, the tickets button, you're just required to enter your details. And, um, but otherwise, it's, everything's pretty straightforward. Um, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck with the event and good luck for the rest of the campaign. Thanks very much, Jared. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR, and that was uh, Nick and no Mick and Greg. Um, good interviews, Jared. It's nice to see a bit of grassroots action being taken in the community. Yeah, and it's fun being on the other side of the mic as well. Yeah, it definitely is. I'm new to it and still still getting my kicks out of it. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so I thought I think we had a few further questions just about political parties um, and their commitment to emissions until 2030 which is vast approaching when you think that it's only a few more actual electoral elections Mm. so it's not like many parties Mm. have a lot of time to affect real change if it's not um aggressive yeah yeah so i think sort of kick it out there what are your thoughts sam on the well i mean the sooner the better you know i i'm an accelerationist (laughs) on that front um I just, yeah, I after reading the latest IPCC reports and seeing the devastations uh, of the floods and knowing that people are still living in caravans from the fires, um, yeah, a lot of people that I talk to don't think that the targets are quick enough, ambitious enough, uh, and it's going to result in, you know, basically we've already started a chain of events that we're not going to be able to stop. Um, now it's just about how bad it is, how many people, things die, are displaced. So, yeah, I think it's it's kind of difficult. I, I, I guess, Jared, what, what, would you do, what would you say to, you know, there's a whole heap of people out there who are fighting for places that they love and they feel like these targets aren't fast enough and aren't going to make a difference and... I don't know. I'm a, a, a cup half full person. I actually think every little bit counts. Every act of rebellion, every, you know, tiny detail of change. You just don't know what's going to happen once you change one thing, right? Uh, so I'm a, a big believer in 
uh, for system change, we have to change everything and whatever we can do to do that, we should do. Um, but yeah, what do you reckon about the 2030 targets? Is it ambitious enough considering what is already happening as a result? Yeah, so I definitely sympathise with the criticism that the targets aren't high enough and I, I definitely believe we should be going as high as we can, as fast as we can. Um, my concern with the argument, though, is that it can lead to apathy and disengagement in the political sphere. Mm. So people being like, well, I'm just going to do a donkey vote because none of them are good enough. Yeah. Um, and I think that can be a little bit destructive and, and kind of yes. ca- counterproductive. That's how you end up with Dutton trying to wage war and Morrison as the Prime Minister. Right, and let's say you want a 100% emission reduction target mm. by 2030. It's mm. easier to get there from 75% than yep. it is from 26 to 28. So I think it's always better to get what you can and then continually ask for more. And I think it's not all just about the current election cycle. Mm. I think we can also demonstrate no matter who gets in... Uh, both on a government level and also in particular seats, that when there is really strong support for climate action, we can say that this is clearly an election issue. Whatever target you've got, you've got to increase. And that's not just with regards to 2030 emission reduction Mm. target. That can also be with regards to adaptation measures and... um, helping people who are experiencing coastal erosion, or it could be, you know, all different types of environmental issues. When it becomes more of an election issue, we can get more out of the members. So that's a really good point as well that you were saying when we are off air before, that often once a target is set, it's really easily um, sort of surpassed, like people often overshoot their targets. So if you're asking, if if they're saying 75% reduction, we might actually get 90% reduction. Yeah, Yeah. definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, yeah, I guess the uh, the other, you know, sort of thing that we were talking about is um, what you said before about people are like, well, none of it's good enough, so I'm not going to engage in um, democracy or election politics. Um, And there really is a a, a sort of... um, anarchist perspective out there, which, you know, I consider myself anarchist-leaning and I don't agree with this perspective. I think we need every good person we can get in Parliament. Um, But there is a perspective that there's no point engaging in voting because the system's rigged and it's bullshit. So, um, sorry, was that swearing? No, No? not not in my language. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Apologies out there if you thought that was bad word. It was actually a very... uh, um, what should I say, gentle word for what I was really thinking in my head. Um, so, yeah, I guess there's this, um, you know, approach out there which is like, it's all rigged, don't vote, it's bullshit. Uh, but really, right now more than ever, I think we need every single good person that we can inside a parliament helping to speed up the change that we need and prevent the erosion of more rights and more protection of the environment and social justice issues. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you reckon about people out there that are just, I guess, not even donkey voting, actually just going, this is not the way to change it? Mm. Yeah, so there's, I believe, in a wide range of, of changing the system. You know, there are people who change things through business and people who change things through um, through their personal life and political change. And I just think that you kind of need to approach it from all angles. All um, tactics on the table now, emergency. Right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I know people who have been saying, I'm not going to vote, I'm going to throw in that Mm. vote. And I think this is just an opportunity to to play your part in one of those um, ways of changing the society. Yeah. And it's not a perfect system and representative democracy is probably something we could do a whole show on about the failures of. We really need participatory 
um, or direct democracy happening a lot more and hopefully if we get uh, forward-thinking people in there, that is something that then can shift. But I guess, you know, while the only people voting are the people voting for the likes of, uh, you know, One Nation or, you know, Palmer's Party and things like that, we're just going to end up with more and more um, far-right politics. Yeah, and I think that when you remove yourself from the political sphere, it only serves the people who are currently in power. Yeah, and it creates a void, right? It's Something has to fill that void, and yeah. often it's very nasty and oppressive. Um, so, yeah. Let's kind of a le- case of stop fighting amongst ourselves and mm. fight against a common enemy, which seems to be a thing that's quite frequent, um, mm. especially in Europe. Like, there's a lot of division within people who... Generally speaking, we want the same things. Yes. And there's a division that's easy to cause divide in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, definitely that's something. Banding together is pretty important for all of us, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. we're four weeks out from an election. Uh, it's definitely climate is on everyone's mind while uh, those in power keep telling us it's about, you know, work and um, interest rates and a whole heap of other things that make people's eyes glaze over. Um, Do you think it's worth uh, people out there contacting their politicians over the next, uh, their representatives over the next four weeks and letting them know how they feel about it? Yeah, definitely if you have um, the time to send an email, make a phone call, that's great. But what's Mm. what's really really coming up in the next couple of weeks are these community forums that awesome. that Mick and Greg are helping to support. So um, definitely attend those. There are a bunch that are quite connected to uh, to climate. Um, you should go there, ask about climate change, um, ask about the, especially those who are, um, who are connected to parties, uh, ask them their personal opinion about their party stance. Awesome. We are so out of time. We got a roll. I didn't think we have a time for a goodbye song. No, we don't. But <laughs> just thanks, Jared. Yeah. Um, great to have you in the studio. Yeah. And Mick and Greg for pre recording. That's great. Coming up next, Billabong Beats. Stay tuned. You're on 3CR.